0: From Flourish DX, this is the Mentally Healthy Workplaces Asia podcast. With workplace mental health becoming a critical issue for businesses, this is the source of information for creating sustainable and mentally healthy workplaces in Asia. Hi, my name is Wenli Lim, and I'm the Chief Impact Officer at Flourish DX and host of this podcast. The purpose of this podcast is for conversations and practical guidance from subject matter experts, service providers, innovative tech platforms and employers in the region. Taking a shared approach uh, to workplace mental health is imperative. So not just as individuals, but as employers, colleagues and the broader community to create mentally healthy workplaces so that we can prevent suffering and promote human flourishing. We're very excited today to have a very special guest, An Yu, founder of Happiness Scientist. Welcome, Shaheen. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. No problems. Um, we were just talking about Chinese New Year and the fact that we're both wearing red. Um, <laughs> so what, what's your usual thing for this time of the year?
1: Uh, well, you know, we get into preparation mode, you know, spring cleaning, getting clothes. But this year I decided that I'm not going to buy new clothes. I'm going to save the earth and try to find clothes that I haven't worn for a long time. And nobody remembers that they're old clothes, so they'll just appear new.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing. It's like, um, you know, as much as we want new things and all that, but it's like, yeah, environmentally, it's we're just adding to, yeah, the degradation yeah. and just unnecessary. So, yeah, recycling is a great idea this season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, um, I mean, even your company name, Happiness Scientist, I think just even saying that just makes people feel happy. So, um, yeah, tell us a bit about Happiness Scientist and your career and journey today.
1: Yeah, well, Happiness scientists people are always very intrigued, like, what do you do? And I guess it comes from my background in positive psychology. Um, I went overseas to the University of Pennsylvania to do a master's in positive psychology about 11 years ago. And that was when my mind was blown, you know, that that concepts like resilience and optimism can actually be taught, can actually be learned. And there's a whole body of science that supports um, the practice of it. And, you know, I think one of the things I took away from that was if we consciously know what these things are and intentionally add these strategies or interventions into our life, then we can be in charge of making our life happier. And that's why I named the company Happiness Scientists. It is really using the science of happiness to enable individuals like you and I, um, companies, uh, societies, communities to thrive.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And so what was it like? I mean, you before that, um, you were in the education sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how did you do that pivot? You know, what made you go, okay, you know what? I'm going to study positive psychology.
1: <laughs> I guess, you know, as, as I'm teaching, I realized that I, as a teacher, I'm not just there to teach them English math, and all the subjects, you know, and I encountered so many students who were brilliant in the academics, but when it came to recovering from failure, learning how to navigate friendships, even like, you know, having difficult family environments that they were in day in, day out, but not having the skills and strategies to face all of that, um, it made me question what my role as a teacher was, you know, was it just to teach them subjects so that they can get out of there and do well, <laughs> or was it to also teach them skills to become a flourishing human being and I guess questions led me to try to find answers and I found the answers um, in the field of positive psychology with Dr. Martin Seligman's book Learned Optimism right and because to me it's like if I want to bring it to my students I first got to know what it is I first got to practice what it is and so I guess it was that book that I started practicing on myself and it it was just a mind-blowing experience because you know I didn't used to be all sunshiny and rainbow like now (laughs) you know I used to be a pessimist and you know when things go wrong I always go to the worst case scenario but because of that book which is called learned optimism I actually was able to now call myself a reformed optimist I I'm able to use those strategies and and you know step by step be able to look at certain situations and not go to the worst case scenario as I used to. Mm,
0: that would have been a very interesting process. And how long do you think it took for you to be a learned optimist?
1: <laughs> well, I think I would say that I actually seriously started practicing it maybe more than fifteen years ago, mm. and I did it consciously maybe in the first year of actually doing it. Um, every single day, writing in my journal, you know, what what is this thought? What is the belief behind the thought? And can I reframe that? Can I change that? And I think it was after a year that I started to feel the effects that it wasn't my natural state to then go to the worst case scenario anymore. Uh, When I had challenges in my life, I didn't think that it was all about me. I didn't personalize so much, but I started to ask different questions. Like what else could it be? What evidence is there to say that I'm a loser? For example, I would think a lot like that Mm. in the past, you know, I think after that one year, I realized, wow, if it works for me, imagine what it could do for students.
0: Yeah. And, um, And I mean, this skill would be so important in the last couple of years as well. And just before we um, started recording, you were saying that you did so many podcasts and so many speaking (laughs) engagements in 2020. Um, So how did you find um, bringing that message across to people um, in the midst of a very, very difficult year?
1: I think people were ready. I would say that um, if if this happened five years ago and you asked me to do a lot of podcasts, it, it would be like nobody would really... Be really interested it was almost as if happiness or learning to flourish or thrive is like a bonus. Like we only we won't think about it unless it's absolutely necessary. But I think the pandemic brought to the front that hey if we don't take care of ourselves and we don't put those foundations in place for our own mental health, nobody is actually actively going to do it for you. Right? And if we don't then everything around us crumbles, isn't it? I met so many people on these webinars who would privately message me and say that I'm really struggling. I don't know what to do. But on the upfront, they looked happy and they looked fine. And so nobody reached out to them. And yet inside they were like, you know, torn. I don't know what to do with this thing. Um, You know, so I feel like uh, the pandemic has given us the opportunity to begin this conversation around mental wellness, mental health.
0: um, And for people to say, yeah,
1: I'm going to do this for myself, you know.
0: Mm, so interesting and um we were previously also talking about you know impact and how you know that's what got you to start working with corporates um Mm -hmm. and your realization that actually the workplace was such a big contributing factor towards people's mental health um so can you yeah expand more on that yeah I think it was just trying to figure out why. Okay, so I worked, I worked a lot with
1: teachers, I worked a lot with parents, and very often we see very every part of the system was stressed out. The parents were stressed, the students were stressed, the, the the teachers were stressed. And I started asking this question, why, 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 why is this happening? Like where is the where is that issue and how can I deal with that issue? You know, where is the stress coming from? And I realized that, you know, instead of seeing children as problem children, it was because parents brought back all the stress and frustration from the workplace, long hours, uh, demanding bosses sometimes, or just the pace of change was so quick that they felt under pressure to deliver, and then they brought all of that home. And so all it needed was just one little trigger from the child, and there would be like a volcanic explosion at home. And it was just this vicious cycle that was going round and round. And so I told myself, well, if the source of the issue, or rather if parents are feeling the stress in the workplace, then surely we can bring intervention and support into the workplace, right? And that's kind of got me into the foray into the corporate world.
0: Yeah. And so what yeah. has that been like trying to, um, yeah, kind of do this work within the corporate setting?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's been definitely more demand and interest over the last two years, primarily because, as we mentioned, mental health discussions have been brought, brought to the fore. Um, And it takes certain kinds of companies who recognize, right, that if mental health is not put in place, then the employees are not able to function as well as they normally do. And it's not just about them seeing them as a number. It's seeing them as human beings who have emotions, who have struggles, who have joys, who have moments to celebrate and being able to create an environment that supports all of the person, not just the work side of the person. Right? Mm-hmm. So if someone is struggling with a family issue at home, then can they create the environment within the workplace that is supportive? It could be giving time off. It could be flexibility in terms of heading back to attend to the children or even somebody who's looking after elderly parents who perhaps has dementia. I think you know, as a workplace, if we can offer that level of flexibility and understanding, then what you have is an employee who is appreciative, right? who is then willing to say, when I come back, I'm going to come back doubly hard because I know that this company actually values me. So you're sending a very strong message, you know, and it isn't just about being soft, like, oh, we need to be soft and and look after. There's always this myth, right? That if we Mm -hmm. go to mental health, that we are giving in, we're being permissive. Um, But recognize that human beings have basic needs and,
0: you know, being able to meet this is to me a basic need,
1: right?
0: yeah. I think part of it is might actually, and I'm checking with you actually, is it that, you know, people have gone through like, you know, winding back 20 years ago and potentially, you know, the, the leaders, they themselves had to suffer in a way that they had to put a lot of things aside and it was just demanding. And now they're like, you know what, if I can go through it, you can go through it. And so that's that kind of thing of just oh, you know, everyone's got it easy now, you know, but I had to go through so much. And it's true. I think we do have to recognise that it was so hard. They had to put their other part of themselves, you know, check it out the door when they came into work. You know, it doesn't matter what else is going on at home. There was no sympathy or even care or even a question asked. Um, Do you see that um, in your work? And, you know, kind of what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I have tonnes of thoughts on that.
1: I, I do think that um, paying attention to generational differences is really important, um, but this shouldn't guide the narrative of how we live today. You know, for example, yes, we, we did work. I mean, my parents perhaps worked really hard, but that was because at the time, the general theme was survival because basic needs like housing, sometimes for some people, food, um, they just had to meet all this and therefore there was no bandwidth, I suppose, or no, um, what is the word? Yeah, you know, you don't have that opportunity to think about all these um, extra things. It was just, okay, I'm going to put food on the table. My children need to go to school. I need to pay the school fees. And, and that was their mentality and mindset. But I think if we fast forward to now, children are living, we are living in a time where I wouldn't say all around the world, but in many countries, uh, basic needs are no longer as top priority for some regions, yes. For some regions, no. And so for the regions that are not, then what do they focus on, right? It now becomes the self-actualization needs if you think about Maslow's hierarchy, right? Tending to belonging needs, tending to purpose, self-actualization. And therefore, this conversation surrounding the whole person has become more front and center than it used to, right? And, And that doesn't mean we're dismissing what the previous generation went through in terms of hard work. Right? Hard work is still valued. Hard work is still necessary, but we've got to ask a question now: At what cost? What is mm. the cost of valuing only hard work above everything else? To you as a human being, to your employees and your team, which then makes up your organization, you know, isn't yeah. there a way in which we can find an end instead of it being either or? Mm
0: great thoughts on that. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming you're going to meet corporates and clients of all different types. Um, and yeah. so I guess, what are you seeing in terms of what are the biggest needs out um, on the ground that you're hearing and being asked to work on?
1: Yeah. And I think if we look at any organization, we want to look at it at different levels, right? We have the staff on the ground, the frontline, the service, um, and they would need strategies on how to you know, cope with overwhelm, cope with the pressure, cope with the stress, burnout is on the rise, you know, how do you cope with that exhaustion while still trying to meet your own targets, right, or still trying to keep your job, for example, right, so we do need to give them handles, um, but giving them handles to manage themselves is only part of it, if we go to the next level, we talk about the managers and the teams, then how can managers and teams be equipped with the knowledge and the skills to be able to um, have conversations to find out how their team's doing, right? To be able to create an environment that's safe enough so that they can speak up and share what might be going on professionally or personally, right? And then, as we mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, how do you create that environment where it is you know people enjoy coming to work? And if let's say enjoyment seems too far fetched at the moment, at least they can feel connected to what they're doing, that there's some kind of relevance and meaning in the work that they're doing, and it isn't just coming in uh, for, for a paycheck or to tick a box, mm. right? And then if we move up the levels, we talk about the senior management or the CEOs, then at the leadership level, uh, you know, it's about messaging, it's about communicating, it's about role modeling, walking the talk, um, and maybe even developing policies across the company, um, and then compensation and benefits that align with that, right? For example, uh, I know of a company that, decided that, you know, once every three months or once every two months, they're going to have a mandatory day off, you know, for the employees. And I think that's useful because if you left it to the individual employees' volition, they would want to take it, but they are afraid of what it would look like, what they would look like to their bosses, right? But mm-hmm. if it's mandated, then everybody feels like, ah, you know we're all doing it together we're in this together and that's really important i think when you're building culture right
0: <laughs> yeah wow fascinating and i like how you've like built you know you've kind of carved it out into different um levels right and um mm-hmm. i think previously we were also talking about you know what's your ideal client i mean in terms of you know you have x amount of hours a day um and you you know would love to work with organizations that are really going to Um, have a long-term impact so you know the work that you do is really going to bring about systemic change and long-term change Mm. so what would that be i mean what's what's kind of like the the bed you know like you know we're talking about gardening what's the soil or the conditions that you would um, love to work in and that would be like you know your poster client that it's like yes this is really possible and i'm you know really (laughs) contributing to great change oh
1: this is like a dream question Well, I would say, um, you know, to me, it's, you know, having the person right at the top who believes that this is important and not just a cursory initiative, just in response to the pandemic. Beyond the pandemic, there's the long tail of mental health that we need to look out for. And even if it's not the pandemic, there are going to be other challenges, right? I mean, business is dynamic. The environment changes so quickly. Um, You have new new uh, competitors, for example, business has to stay agile. But how do you stay agile when you have a workforce that's not mentally healthy, right? So I think having a leader that truly believes in it and is willing to invest the time, energy and resources, whatever that means, whether it is empowering the people, whether it is finding fellow collaborators who can come in to to walk the same talk and, and expand together, Um, whether is it in your messaging I think as a leader your messaging has to be aligned you can't just say one thing and do the other you know so I think that would be where I would start with the leadership and then of course if you have a company whose mission vision and values are already aligned with this concept of being a human centered a whole person environment which believes in elevating people who come into the workplace so that they grow and learn but at the same time know how to uh, really find purpose and connection to themselves to the people in their lives then absolutely that would be the ideal client you know when I was just thinking about this concept of burnout this morning and I was like what is the opposite of burnout and interesting Yeah. yeah I was going for my morning walk which is where I get most of my inspiration and the answer came to me is that it's light up right Burnout means your flame has fizzled. But light up means somebody comes in and they're lit up from within. They enjoy what they're doing. They feel connected to the purpose. They know that their boss and their boss's boss has their back and they can do great work. And so they feel lit up. They're elevated, right? As opposed to burnout, which is like fizzled. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think that would be my ideal client. If you believe yeah. in that, and let's work together, you know? <laughs>
0: Oh, great. Well, shout out to anyone who knows organizations and leaders like that. Um, Because I think one of the things we do also want to highlight on this podcast is just great, good news stories, that it is possible. And there are people and leaders who really do care and that the change can happen. I think now, you know, people are still, you know, trying to figure it out, you know, like, you know, taking baby steps and trying to, yeah. Yeah. Come up with the strategy, or just figure out how to navigate. But I think the more that we highlight, you know, great stories, and so we would love mm. to have you back at a later date. You know, we're at, we're January, um, January twenty twenty two, and mm-hmm. so maybe you know six months time, twelve months time. It'd be great to just get um our you know guests back and go. You know how how's the year been, and what have you seen mm-hmm. since we spoke, um, and just to share, even if it's small wins, um, you know sometimes. I feel it needs to be, you know, it sometimes needs to be like a big thing, but actually it's the little things that really make a difference. Um, And so, and then people can just kind of grab hold onto that and just go, okay, you know what? I can implement that or I can start with this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it just takes one person to start something, right? You know, I mean, to start something, to advocate for it, um, you know, to keep persevering. And, and I think people who resonate would generally fl- would, would find them, right? And then from one, it can become two and two become three. So, yeah. I mean, if you're listening to this and you are in your company, say, hey, I've got an idea. Let's try it out. You know? And you can start with your team you know, within your small group and then share the good results. Like you say, small wins, small progress. And then maybe another team might adopt it. And then maybe another team. And you know, you know what? It could just balloon you know, over yeah. the time.
0: Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So I guess um, this kind of touches on you know, my next question of what your hopes are for the future of workplace mental health. Um, so maybe I'll change that to just, you know, what are your goals for 2022 in terms of the work that you do and the clients that you meet? I guess my goals are to increase my impact.
1: Um, I've always believed that uh, it was a privilege for me to study with people like Dr. Martin Seligman, Dr. Adam Grant, Angela Duckworth, and I've never taken that opportunity for granted. In fact, you know, as I was going through my masters, I said, gosh, how am I going to bring this all back, you know, back to Singapore, because obviously it was in the US. And, and when and when I do that, what would it mean for people? And I'm always driven by this inner light, inner purpose. You know, and if I can share more of the strategies, now, I always see myself as a translator as well. You know, so much of the research is very jargonish in psychology. And so many people would say, oh, I don't have time to read through all the jargon. Well, I'm a bit of a nerd, so I love reading all these articles and try to synthesize it into things that we can do on a day-to-day basis and in our context in Asia, right? So I see myself continuing to play that role, but enhancing the impact by really understanding uh, what we are going through as a region, as, as a person. Um, and then being able to deliver these bespoke and customized solutions that can really meet your needs, you know, we we all live twenty four hours a day, right? And we can ask ourselves, you know, how do we want to live it? <sighs> you know, so to me, it's it gives me great purpose to continue to do that, uh, oh, and fantastic. hopefully, you know, people can can take it and say like, okay, I'm gonna do that one thing, and it's gonna help me.
0: Yeah. You know, and
1: and if if I do that to more people this year. And I would say, it's a
0: dream come true, right? Oh, fantastic. You know, this is exactly why we do this podcast. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I haven't studied psychology. I don't come from that background. And um, even coming into this, I was like, oh, you know, like, how can we um, lower the barriers? You know, how can your everyday ordinary person um, be more aware of the, you know, for themselves and for the people around them um, and at the workplace so that we don't, feel, you know, the need or even just um, the inadequacy and yes. just feeling inadequate to deal with this or to have a conversation or, yeah, to make a change. So, I'm yeah, totally man. on the same page, yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Sorry, you were going to say?
1: No, I was going to say that, you know, and, and even if you do feel inadequate, I feel like when we talk about mental wellness, there's always this implicit assumption that we must be well all the time that we must be happy all the time you know and for me I don't believe in that I think we are here for the whole experience both the positive and the times in our life that challenge us right because if we didn't go through the challenge there are things that we won't be able to learn and apply back into our lives and when we do go through the highs then let's not discount ourselves let's celebrate like you said let's enjoy those moments right because they may not be as easy to come by uh, depending on the external situation you know so i'm saying if you're feeling inadequate um just know number one you're not alone number two um if made, it's okay to give yourself a little pat on the back and say yeah you know what yeah today was not a good day for me and it's okay mm. right yeah because otherwise we are denying what is part of our own experience and that is not mentally healthy to me
0: yes because it just, yeah, kind of like burying and just, you know, pretending, mm. but inside. Yeah. And I think that's why days are you okay Um, and campaigns like that, you know, overseas um, is really mm. helpful. Um, And yeah, I mean, when I first started work and this is just an interesting reflection, Um, I found it really interesting how you would walk down the corridors and I'll see someone there. Like, how are you? But you don't really you're just like oh yes good thanks and you keep walking and it would happen like multiple times a day and I and in my first couple months of work and this is back in Australia I was like oh this is a very interesting question but no one really cared about my answer (laughs) it was almost
1: like hello right it was like yes yeah yeah.
0: And I think now we're a lot more conscious and a lot more, um, you know, intentional that when you do ask that, um, yeah, to then try and give a response that it's actually, yeah, how you are really feeling and making time for that. So not as a passing comment, um, but like, hey, you know, how are you doing? Yeah, so yeah, I no, think that- I mean, yeah. you know, it's funny that you brought that up. I
1: was on the receiving end of that, you know, I had uh, my, my former boss um, came back to visit, you know, he was posted back, Went to another country to work and came back to visit, and um, the first question he asked me was, "How are you?" And so I just said, "I'm good." And then about ten minutes later, he stopped and he looked at me, and he was like, Sean I'm really asking, how are you? Like really, like the real person in that inside that smile." And I was just so touched and so, at the same time, a bit flabbergasted. Mm. Like, did he really want to know? Am I free to share how I really feel? But it was such a freeing moment. You know, I felt like he saw through that good, you know, like you said, the good that we tell everyone that we're good. And I think when we come back to workplace as a a team leader, that's something that we can do, right? When the person says good, let's pause, acknowledge it, but then let's push a bit, you know, like really, how are you? I really want to know. And if we are authentic and genuine, I think it's a profound moment for the person on the
0: receiving end. I love that. Thank you so much. Well, um, yeah, I know I have like million other questions, and I know we can talk. And this is what I say about every episode (laughs) because it's just so fascinating, and it's um, and just the stories, like you know, just the last one of your old boss. It's just um, you know, just to hear such um different approaches, you know, just to even a question like how are you and really digging in deeper. It's really profound and freeing in a way um, to give people permission um, and really applying that in every context of a life, you know, in the workplace, you know, when you see old friends down the street, um, you yeah. know. Um, so, yeah, would definitely love to have you back. Uh, I know you've been podcasted in 2020, but I guess when 2022. <laughs> So I had the, a break. <laughs> yeah, the counter resets <laughs> but thank Absolutely. you so much and wishing you really all the best um, in the work that you do this year would love to you know hear back from you in six or 12 months and go how did it go what are the great news stories but what are the challenges still existing um that you're encountering all the time um so wishing you a happy chinese new year as well um lots of yeah, pineapple tarts you. that we were talking yes. about <laughs> Time to put on the pounds (laughs) (laughs) happily. And after this, it's kind of like, okay, healthy eating. It's like Christmas, New Year's, and then Chinese New Year, and then that's it. but thank you so much. And um yeah, just to let everyone know, um, the Mentally Healthy Workplaces Asia podcast is available on you know LinkedIn page, um, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um so just follow us on flourishdx as well if you'd like to see a short clip of this conversation. Um and the video version is available too. So if you want to see our red jackets and our Chinese New year get up, you can watch us on YouTube. Um but please connect with um Shine and myself on LinkedIn to continue the conversation um and thank you for listening in and stay safe and we'll um, yeah speak to you in the next one take care you've been listening to the mentally healthy workplaces asia podcast to stay up to date with the best content on workplace mental health in asia subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and join the flourish dx community at www.flourishdx.com